You have killed. And you will kill again. Podcast fans, it's your guy, it's me, it's me, it's Levi G. Well, shit, that sounded a hell of a lot less corny in my head. (laughs) Anyway, if you have clicked the download button, I want to welcome you all to a special holiday edition of House of Wax. Um, It's obviously, it's me uh, hanging out with you today, and uh, next to me are my two compadres, my homies, my my friends, uh, on my left, got Mr. Johnny Krug. What's up, Johnny? What is up, bro? I never say bro, man. You got me all off now. <laughs> <laughs> Sent you into a midlife crisis, didn't I? <laughs> <You> did. <laughs> and then on my right, obviously, we've got Mr. Ricky Morgan. What's up, Ricky? What's up, mother trucker? <laughs> For a second, I thought you were going to say Ricky Martin. Uh, no, no, I didn't know if I needed to say, you know, Ricky or if I needed to say Steve Perry or which which route I was taking today. Should have been gone! Oh, but yeah, today, guys, we're, uh, we're on a uh, special holiday edition for the House of Wax podcast where we will be taking a journey into the... Uh, the 2007 French horror film Inside, and if you're alone listening to this podcast right now, and it's probably going to be Christmas Eve, uh, you may want to call somebody over to listen to it with you, because after talking about this movie or viewing this movie, you're not going to be alone anymore. Yeah, it's, it's a family-friendly movie, right? Uh, very, <laughs> very. You seen National Lampoons? Well, hey, right up the same alley. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is a great film. I'm I'm excited to talk about this one, man, because uh, this was this this one holds a little special place for me, obviously, because getting into the brutal extreme horror films, uh, this was my gateway drug. Some would say, as into the brutal horror. I mean, this movie. If you're looking for a film where you're you're going to be creeped out, you're going to have jump scares, you're going to be freaked out, and then you're just going to be left feeling like you just need to take a shower after watching a film. You're going to get all of that in this film. The Christmas classic, man. (laughs) Maybe throwing some curveballs. I saw a lot of Saturday Night Deadly Nights thrown around out there. And and you, you know, us guys, we talked about some different uh, some different movies as well. And it just so happened that uh, this movie was a conversation starter for us all, and it just happens to be a Christmas movie. Perfect. Genius! But yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. We're going to take a short break real quick to let you guys listen to some advertisements for some other podcasts you need to be checking out, and uh, we will be back here shortly. Hey, Paul, what I was thinking is that 
we need to cut a promo. Yeah, I've been working on some ideas. It's just I don't really know where to go with it exactly. What if I got like a filter where we could just kind of talk normally and we can have kind of a script, but then yes. I can I can like filter it so that one of us will have one kind of voice and then one will have the other. I want to put my request, make me as Freddy Krueger. Can you do that? Maybe instead of the voices, what if we tried to like write a skit, develop a whole thing and we have a backstory and, but well, I don't know. That might be kind of too long. So oh, like screeching cars and explosions and fireworks. And, yeah. And, yeah. Well, what about, I like it. Maybe instead of, you know, doing a filter, we could just like reach out to Robert England himself and maybe Ooh. he can, you know, just record a promo for us sometime. Do you think, I, I mean, I, we might have to like raise some money. We can do a Kickstarter and we could just throw it out to like Robert England and you know sure, just, sure. just all kinds of actors and and I think people will do that I think sure why not well you know what? I don't know maybe we're overthinking this whole thing how about if we just tell people where to find us I like that you can find us at who will survive on iTunes Stitcher on the Legion podcast network and on the raw live and unedited podcasting network also on Facebook and Instagram under the same name oh wait can we do it underwater oh, with that, piranhas killing me that would kind of be brutal and if that doesn't work then you can do the regular promo all right well just get in the water and i'll go get some fish all right cool are you sick of the same old stale podcast well then join vanessa and darren as they dissect movies of all kinds the two lifelong cinema lovers bring their favorites, curiosities, and first-time watches to the operating table and inject them with a healthy dose of snark. Then there's the waiting room, where they examine books and short stories. So just look for them on Apple Podcasts and where fine podcasts are available. They're part of the Legion Podcast Network. Follow them on Twitter at VD Clinic Pod. Join them on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash VD Clinic Pod. Or email them at vdclinicpod at gmail.com. They're ready to cure what ails you. <laughs> and still, they just might be a little contagious. And we're back with Inside from 2007. The IMDb score for this one is a 6.8. And uh, this movie stars Allison Parody, Beatrice Dahl, and Dominique Fraught. And the movie's written and directed by Alexandra Bustillo and Julian, or probably Julian, Mori. And uh, they drove. They both work together actually on pretty much everything they do. But um, they did this, "Livid Among the Living," and "Leatherface" from 2017. Which this, in in all honesty, this is the only movie of theirs that I've seen. I've heard "Livid" is amazing, but it's pretty yeah. much it's it's hard to find, dude. Like really hard to find. I've I've seen three of them, and one I'd like to give back, which would be the, which would be the Leatherface movie. Yeah. Oh, it's that bad. I, I I got it for like five bucks on Blu-ray. I just haven't watched it yet. You can keep it wrapped yeah. up. You probably could get away with it not watching it. I mean, it was it, it was bad. <laughs> no, I didn't get a chance to check out Livid yet. I've been kind of scoping. Well, they're remaking out. that now, so maybe one that we can pick up and and do a show later on with. So. 
I think that'd be really cool, yeah, because um, from what I can tell, it's, it's they're just doing another American remake of it, so I'm sure it's probably going to be lackluster. Oh, if it's yeah. anything like the Inside remake, then it's going to be terrible. <laughs> I, I honestly, I, it's streaming on Hulu, but I, I can't give the Inside remake a chance yet. I don't know. It just I haven't seen it yet. I've I've read I've read a lot of stuff about it, and I've talked to a lot of people that have seen it, and they say that it's pretty much. It's the movie. I mean, it's the original, but it's got a definitely a more happy ending than what this one does. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. Um, well, uh, the, the plot synopsis for this one, four months after the death of her husband, a woman on the brink of motherhood is tormented in her home by a strange woman who wants her unborn baby. And, uh... You know that that is it. It is a really simple plot. I mean, even with the little twists and turns throughout this movie, it's still. I mean, the, it, it basically is just you know, woman wants another woman's baby, and it she will stop at nothing to get that baby from her. It really is. It's the formula of Halloween, just with the plot being where you know, like you said, it's it's the the, the woman being the stalker for for a purpose. But as far as the setup and the delivery, it's very much, you know, a uh, 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 giallo, if you will, to some degree, till, till, till it all hits the fan, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it doesn't take long for this movie to hit the fan. I mean, and that's, but going back, you guys talk about how simple this movie is. It really is. And, and I was, I was getting my information together for the film and everything. This movie had a budget of two, like two and a half million dollars. And like, I was watching yep. it and I was just like, Man, what were they spending that money on? Because it's not a very, I mean, like, your your effects are good and everything, but, like, as far as, you know, the side actors, side parts and stuff like that, there wasn't a whole lot of that. I was like, man, what did they spend yep. all that money on? <laughs> I would say the effects. <laughs> yeah. Because they're, they're pretty incredible. Oh, they're awesome. Uh, There's so many scenes yeah. in this movie where I was just like, wow, that's that's insane. <laughs> they Well, it also says here that they spent a lot of the budget on um, the... Uh, the the cigarettes that Beatrice, Beatrice Dahl smoked that fit perfectly between the gap of her teeth. <laughs> That's where they're, the they're, money they're, went. <laughs> they're actually called they're actually called marble menthol hungry hungry hippos. <laughs> <laughs> That's where the budget went. <laughs> hungry hungry hippo. Sheshwah. <laughs> <laughs> The movie starts off and it sets the tone immediately because oh yeah yeah this movie starts off with a, a pretty horrific car crash um, yeah and it's the the way it looks I mean, as opposed to the rest of this movie the car crash looks so awesome like the uh, the effects with the rain coming down and like the aerial view yep. um, but it's at the same time it's like super brutal and bloody because you know you got um, one girl actually it only yes. shows her right it only shows her and her husband Sarah. Yeah, it shows yeah, Sarah so. sitting in, in in her on her side, and you get the swoop of the camera coming over the edge of the car, and you see the busted out windshield, and the windshield wiper is still going, and there's so much blood coming out of both of them's mouth in, in this scene. You know, when she's looking around, coming to, and that's when you notice that she's pregnant, and uh, she kind of looks over at her husband, and it's hard to tell if he's gone at that moment or not, but uh, he's he's not looking too good. No, oh no, and. Uh, <laughs> but there's there's a ton a bucket of blood just in this opening scene right here, which I'm not downplaying car crashes. I'm just saying that you know this movie is already starting to hit you over the head with a hammer first thing. Oh with, yeah, uh, 
just just what you're what you're seeing. Oh yeah, and I mean it's oh. like you said it it sets the tone because I mean you see obviously you see the rain hitting the car and then you see like you said buckets of blood just go, mixing with the water from the rain. You see the guy laying extra, and then if you haven't already seen it when you're looking at the scene got Sarah who's pregnant I mean she's obviously very far along and I think it I think it's safe to say even in any movie now nowadays past whatever you get a pregnant woman or anything having to do with a child in it and it's kind of taboo it's it makes you feel some type of way (laughs) and the thing about it too is and this is what this is what we missed right here this is where they spend all their money because throughout the whole movie you get several shots of a CGI baby. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and honestly, honestly, if there's one thing that I felt was unnecessary in this movie and yeah. kind of overused, I would say it's the CGI baby shots. It's almost like the Ally McBeal looking baby, right? <laughs> it is, dude. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> the Uga Chaka yeah. baby. Yeah. Um, but with that aside, I mean, and, and again, that's just a product of the time. They're still trying to use the, the technology of the time, which... It was still a little shaky at this point, but uh, it makes up for it and leaps and bounds with, with, you know, uh, with real effects, man. They're just fantastic. But, yeah, you get the car crash, and it cuts to four months later. She's getting an ultrasound. And then you get that weird scene where she's sitting out in the lobby and the nurse. <laughs> man, she just sits down and is like, just what does she do? She randomly whips out a joint in the middle of a freaking hospital and just lights it up. <laughs> <laughs> and she's just like this nurse like she shouldn't be around anybody in the general population she's very just you know first child huh? it's gonna hurt like a motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> my first kid had me not shitting right for four months no. I mean, just it's just like this really like she's just talking to her in such a way you're like wow that's just very uncomfortable and how does sarah you know how does she respond to it and it cracks me up every time she just looks at her and just randomly out of nowhere just says twat like that's all she says (laughs) and the the woman gives this whole like well i guess i'm not wanted here really she has no sense of like like presence And then you get the the setup of Sarah's out at the park, and you're really starting to focus in on her loneliness at this point because we're only four months away from from the death of her husband, and she's you know she's towards the end of her pregnancy here, getting really close, and uh, she's out taking pictures of family in the park. But you kind of think, well, is she just kind of remorsing here in some kind of weird way? Which I think she kind of is, but it's also a setup so we can meet her chief editor or her boss i'm not exactly sure if he's i know he's a work partner of sort but i don't i didn't know if she was if it was like her actual boss or whatever i don't guess it really matters but it's somebody she works with and he comes and meets her and at first he just goes crazy on the phone talking to somebody you know complaining about their work to her it's an interesting scene because i think you're you're trying to introduce some more characters because for the most part of this movie it's it's two people the majority yeah. of this movie so you have to have some supporting cast coming in and from here to there and this is one of those characters and uh she meets him at the park she's going to go home uh it kind of cuts to her being home she's she's been invited to go to a christmas 
gathering of some sort. She decides she would rather just stay home, be left alone. Well, they're gonna, it's, it's uh, Christmas Eve, and they're going to induce her the next day, so that that editor boss guy is going to pick her up the next morning, and I guess she's going to like just rest rest it out until then. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah. That makes a little more sense. And it's cool, though, that scene, you talk about it being very interesting. The, it's cool because they, they bring in another character. They bring in a, a supporting character. All the while, though, you never lose sight of Sarah. And just the, right. she did such an amazing part in this movie. I mean, just from, like, portraying her loneliness from, like you said, just losing her husband. And so... They they bring in your side characters, you know. They bring in the editor. They bring in the, her mom, and but all the while you're like, okay, I know who that is. But in your head, you're like, I still am focused on this girl because you can tell that she is just, she's just, I mean, distraught over this. Yeah, and, and something a lot of people don't talk about. I mean, it's brought up from time to time, but you have to admit the acting in this movie between these two ladies is superb. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, this is this is really good stuff, and, and never once did I feel taken out of it because of a performance part on their behalf. Uh, I think it was really solid. And, you know, the next scene saying it all, when she goes back home, she's just looking at all the pictures of her husband and her, you know, and, and here she is alone now. I mean, it's it's very, you can see it in her face. It's It's... You know, it's depressing. It's, oh, it's heartbreaking. Easily, well, and, and that's what I was talking about about the tone of the movie is is from the car crash to the uh, where it fast forwards the four months later, like it, the tone it sets is this like real like somber, gloomy. Uh, you know, she's yeah. she's about to have a baby, but there's just no kind of excitement or any kind of joy in her life. It's just it's just all right. real downtrodden. And and you're right. I mean, this this actress, uh, this Allison per- parody, she like does a really good job. And then it cuts from that. This is where you start getting a little crazy because you go for this somber kind of thing going on, and then it goes to the dream sequence. Oh man! <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> wow! I mean, she she's in a in a in a chair. Which, if you listen to Short Bus, a wooden chair is now a time machine. <laughs> <laughs> so she's sitting she's sitting in this wooden chair, and she gets real sick. She gets up and just it's like two gallons of milk. She's throwing up. You know, pukes a baby. <laughs> and yeah, the baby comes out of her mouth. It's like, uh, yeah, okay. It starts, <laughs> yeah, it starts dancing. Calista Flockhart walks in. It's really weird. Yeah, if y'all want, this is if the weirdest. Y'all are looking for anything, any any happiness or any kind of uplifting moment in a movie, this will not be the movie for you <laughs> at all. <laughs> No, there are a few. There are a few moments in this movie that I not, may, maybe uplifting is too strong of a of a word, but right. there, there are a few moments in this movie where you're like actively cheering at the screen. Oh, um, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> um, but but she gets home and like. Um, and one thing I will say about this before we um, get into like you know what the the meat and potatoes, but um, this movie. Like a lot of movies that came out back then, like uh, Frontiers and High Tension and stuff, a lot yeah. of them were set with the yeah. backdrop of the like the civil unrest and stuff going on and right. all the French riots. And so this is all kind of in the background too. So that's one thing when I watch this, I always think about is like you know her home should be the safest place for her because it's just completely chaotic everywhere else. Um, yeah. So so she goes home and uh, yeah she she has that dream. And immediately after the dream, she gets a, a, a knock at the door. And the way they play this out is just... 
it's a perfect yeah, I don't know. It's just it, the the tension is built so perfectly because yeah. the woman at the door says, "Oh, I, you know, I need to use your phone." She's like, "Well, why don't you use your cell phone?" And the woman's like, "Well, the battery's dead." Um, and the woman, you know, midway through this, you know, very short conversation, says, "Because um, Sarah says my husband's asleep, you know, you'll wake him up." And the woman's like, "Your your husband?" She what she she tells him that uh, she knows she's dead. He's dead, right? Right. Or, yeah. Yeah. It's like you don't you know, your husband's dead, Sarah. And she knows her name. She calls her by name. And right then you're like, okay, well this is this just got a whole nother level of creepy because yeah. you have this woman knocking on her door and she, she knows obviously a lot more about her than she knows about uh the Sarah knows about her. And this is the part I was talking about that feels like a giallo in a way. It's very Argento at this point. Because I think about like uh deep red you know the yeah. scene where it, it comes it comes up to the door, and he's he's playing the piano and he's sweating and he's holding the you know, but he hears the whisper through the door, you know, so the killer knows who they're after and why they're after them, and this this kind of plays into that as well. It's it's intense, man. Yeah, this whole it's, it's really well done. This whole this whole section here, man, I. I live for the movies that give me like the creeps. I mean, I want I want to get goosebumps. Yeah. I want to be creeped out. If this scene does not creep you out, then you probably won't find very many movies that do. I mean, cuz then you got you go from, you know, she's at the door and she's like, "Okay, well, now you know who I am. I don't know who you are. I'm calling the cops." You know, get out get off my fucking doorstep. And so then you go from there to she's she goes about doing her thing. She goes about, you know, living life and everything. And then she's got the back patio door. And she's, I love the patio door scene. Absolutely. This, this is so I don't know because you just see a faint like outline of a person outside and and no real details but the the woman's out there smoking you see her light up the cigarette and stuff and, the hungry hungry hippo yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just the, the the whole thing is very i don't know it's uh she's got that the that ernest Borg, borgnine chomper going but uh, <laughs> but, uh but yeah the scene's intense because you know she, uh, sarah starts uh um, using her camera to like flash and get pictures of her and stuff, and the woman when she's at the back door, this is this is where you know you're in trouble. Is, is the woman who looks you know just to look at her looks like your average normal you know like petite type woman yeah. just yeah. punches the living Christ out of the glass door and just the glass <laughs> starts cracking and you're like okay well she might be a little nuts like she might <laughs> she might have a little bit of the crazy. Um, oh, without a doubt. But then yeah. But after this those cops show up, man, and yeah. they are absolutely worthless. Terribly I know worthless. They have, like they have bigger fish to fry and stuff. I understand that, but I mean, she shows them a picture that's a pretty decent picture and they look at it for like less than a second. Oh, we can't use these. <laughs> <laughs> really? You can't use a picture? My back door is shattered. You can tell somebody was here. I took a picture, and you're like, yeah, I can't make anything out of that. Eh, it's probably nothing. Just go back to sleep. Yeah, and, and then know? the insensitive freaking female cop that's in there. I mean, the first thing she says to to Sarah is, so what happened? Another dad run away, scared of being a father? Like, who the yeah, fuck what is that? says that? Like, yeah, it's like... <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. Like, are we are we uh, conveying our own issues onto the situation? Yeah, like you got daddy issues there. Like, I mean, what is going on? 
Well, and, and yeah. one thing, I've seen this movie probably like ten times, and one thing I don't know why I never noticed until this viewing is when the cops are walking out, and it pans to her front door. They just left her front door open the whole time they were in there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I knew that I knew that you know at some point that Beatrice Dahl's character is in the house, but I didn't realize it was because the negligent cops left the front door open. And, and then just snuck on in. Yeah, and then you pan over to what is probably easily one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie. I mean, this. Yeah. She's sitting there in that that wooden time machine, just relaxing, you know, and uh, <laughs> you you see behind her such a faint i mean and and even i've got the blu-ray uh copy of this movie so like it's you know it's hd and everything even in the hd copy it's hard to really see it unless you really really look at it but you know beatrice is standing behind her like in this in in the door frame and man such an unsettling scene i like that scene a lot man because it starts up uh, it's a close up shot on uh sarah and behind her it just looks like you know like uh darkness like dead space and as the camera like like pulls out even further and further you're like okay well that's you you're starting to get more of a shape and then when it finally pans out even more you're like well that's a person and that person's moving yeah. and they she she just fades into the background it's it's so cool like the way they did that was just so superbly done and, and you see that throughout. I mean, as as rough as this movie gets, it is executed so well and and shot perfectly that you, you kind of have to. I mean, you have to admire the film when you stand back and look at it. It's it's rough, it's disturbing, but it's it's good. It's, it's so well done. <laughs> <Yeah>. <clears throat> Well, and that's the thing is, I mean, the subject matter of the movie. I think it makes a lot of people people uncomfortable, but um, sure. But it, I mean, like, like it's just done so well. It's not. I mean, and of course, it is. It's in its own way ex- exploitation, but it's just done so. Like, oh man, it is. It's like you said. It's so rough. It's such a rough film to watch. But man, God, it's just. I'm such a huge fan. I've become such a huge fan of French horror. I mean, everything, like you guys said. Oh, I love French horrors. Yeah, from everything yep. to from <laughs> this to, to Frontiers to... Yeah, wait a minute. <laughs> but uh, it is, man, from this, to, from High Tension. I saw High Tension when I was young, when it came out, and I don't think that I got it for what it really was. I thought it was just, you know... Um, a gruesome Saw spinoff I kind of saw it as, you know. But I went back years later and watched it, and man, you get into that French world, and it's just it's so... They they do everything so good in those films. Oh, yeah. So, at this point in the movie, Sarah goes upstairs, and she decides to turn in for the night, and this is the cops telling her that, you know, everything's gonna be fine, they're gonna send squad cars or whatever, you know, whoever's on patrol every few hours to check on her. And, uh, you know, she goes, uh, well, this whole thing was kind of weird to me, because she she goes and she lays down, and Beatrice Dahl is just creeping around, you know, uh, she grabs a, a pair of shears and she, like, she uses, like, some kind of, like, antiseptic or something before she does right. anything. 
The thing about it is she's just making herself at home. I mean, she's going around throughout the house, snooping around. Playing with trying toys? To find, yeah, trying to find things that, okay, yeah, I could uh, I could wrap this around her face and kill her. Uh, <laughs> I might could use this. Uh, and it's just no so nonchalant, matter of fact. I mean, this is a great demonstration of she's staying on course regardless of how demented this idea is oh yeah she is 100 percent committed to pulling this off and, and nothing's gonna stop her and this whole scene here where she's she's wandering around the the upstairs um part of the house where sarah's sleeping and she's freshly asleep um she's making all sorts of noise too i'm like man she's she does not care yeah, she knows that she's pretty much out for the night, too. I guess she just kind of wore out. But, you know, like you said, she, she finds a, a decent pair of scissors, finds a, a jar of just... Wait a minute. Decent <laughs> pair of scissors. Like, who has... These things are huge. <laughs> they are. They're massive. <laughs> who has a pair of scissors like that in I'll their house? I'll tell you who has that. The people who cut the ribbons at uh, at groundbreaking. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to open up this Dollar General over here. Let's go over to exactly. Sarah's house and get them shears. <laughs> That's why she was well, so yeah. upset was because she, she had some menial job where she would just cut ribbons all day and she wanted to go home and steal a baby. And then she finds that jar of moonshine shine which is all i can figure out that it is because it's just in a mason jar with no lid on it you know it's like blue or something too it's weird (laughs) but yeah man she just uh okay i've got this rag i've got the anesthetic i've got my 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 shears uh it's time to do some work (laughs) so so she goes in there she lifts sarah's shirt and she pokes her in the belly right where the belly button is with the the shears yeah Sarah jumps up real fast and shrieks, and Beatrice Dahl just gives her the straight up Joaquin Phoenix man, the hair across the right across the face. <laughs> just so immediately, uh, Sarah Joaquin Phoenix is uh, you know just her the whole like front of her face is sliced. She automatically mangles her in this first scene, so you know Sarah ends up I think getting what she hits her Sarah. with something right a lamp. Yeah, yeah. Sarah, yeah. Sarah picks up. Uh, yeah, I believe it was a lamp, and just <laughs> smashes the chick upside the head, man. And wow, no just... build up there, man. No, no kind of build up. I mean, it went from zero to a hundred quick. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, how do so... you think that was gonna go when you poked your belly button with a, a damn fourteen-inch blade? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then stabbed her with the Needless... samurai shears and. <laughs> It's like, Sarah oh, you wreck a katana. <laughs> <laughs> I deliver oh, baby for you, Sarah. Oh, but. no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's all right, man. <laughs> I just thought we were on short bus there for a second. <laughs> it, so, okay, so this, this is the weird part to me. I mean, I guess it makes sense. People care about Sarah. They're checking in on Sarah. But her, uh, her boss, Jean-Pierre, the guy who's like the editor... He shows up at the house, and at this point, Sarah's barricaded herself in the bathroom. She's, you know, oh man, bleeding off yeah. from the face. Um, the other woman's trying to kick down the door, but she just can't do it. She's pretty much she's already punched a, a sliding glass door, and she's you know taken a lamp to the face. I mean, she's a trooper, but you know she she can only handle so much, I guess. Um, so Jean, she goes to answer the door for Jean Pierre, and she plays the whole situation off like she's Sarah's mom. And the weird thing about this whole scene, too, is that Jean-Pierre sits on the couch to have a drink with um, the intruder, and he finds a picture. And to me, in that picture, 
It looks just like the woman I'm talking to. <laughs> right. But he's like, he's like, Sarah called because she was concerned about a picture that we needed to do enhance. First of all, didn't really need the enhancement to tell that was the same person. <laughs> just going to throw that out there, Jean-Pierre. You may not want to be the editor of anything because you're pretty terrible. Well, um, you know, exactly. It's like, uh, I believe this is the picture. <laughs> who made you, who made you Columbo? You know? <laughs> well, and the good thing too, the funny thing about that is, is also is, is he pulls it out from under his ass. Like he sat down on it. Like, <laughs> do you not look where you're sitting, dude? Like, he just went and just sat down on somebody's pictures. But then, um, man, you, in the in the wonderful fashion of this film, though, that makes me laugh is all right. So you got Jean Pierre who shows up to the house and he's sitting there talking to you know the intruder, and then so you already know this is going to end badly because you've got you know Sarah up in the bathroom, she's she's bleeding and all this stuff, and then who walks through the door to make matters worse? <laughs> Sarah's actual right. mom. She's like, right. what are you doing here? Yeah, so and- you've got the two supporting roles in this film in one scene in a house with the intruder. Well, one, one thing I like about this scene, though, is just how oblivious Jean-Pierre is. And I, I know I just said it, right. but I really do want to harp on it for a second. So he pulled out a picture that he knew he was going to have to enhance. of, and, and it's obviously the woman he's talking to. Obviously. But Sarah's mom walks in, a woman who's old enough to be Sarah's mom, and he's like, I think you need to explain yourself to the woman, (laughs) to the other woman. (laughs) Like, oh, I'm sorry. Hold on a second, dude. I think you, I think your glasses need an upgrade or something. Oh, they get an upgrade for sure. Yeah. And you have to admit, though, I mean, all through this, after after what's going on, just how cool, calm, and collective she is down here dealing with all this, nothing's going to rattle her, man. She's She's got an end game. Everything else is just a little detour. No, Sarah's about to rattle her own cage because she's upstairs. Uh, she gets out what's like a, a knitting needle. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she gets a knitting needle out, and uh, she's ready for whenever the intruder comes to that bathroom door, man. Except for... <laughs> When she opens the bathroom door, it's her own mother, and she stabs her right in the jugular. And just, you get this arterial blood spray just all down the hall. Her mom's, like, walking, and it's just spraying all over the walls. It's, you know... Very Argento. Very very, Argento, right? Very Argento. But But not only has she lost her husband in a tragic car accident, and she's been stabbed in in the stomach with a freaking samurai sword uh, with her baby inside of her, but now she's killed her own mother. Like, man. I'll tell you what, that was a a lucky stab, too, because, I mean, if it had been the intruder, the whole movie would have played out differently. But, you know, it just so happens that uh, the movie had to play out this way. And, you know, once we get closer to the end, you you know, you realize why. Because this movie is, it it ends on the tone it begins with. (laughs) For sure, um, yeah. But so downstairs, um, well, he's starting to go upstairs. Jean Pierre, yeah, the journey, yeah, and yeah. I, I he's love taking this. off. He, love oh, this. Man, me too. <laughs> he goes up and he looks down the hallway and he sees just the carnage of what's going on. The lady he just met is laying there with her neck bleeding out of both sides, and he's hearing screaming and stuff going on in the bathroom. Sees blood everywhere, and while he's looking, back of the knee, uh, Ernest Borgnine comes in with those scissors, <laughs> goes right through the back of his knee. He's oh. like he's going up the steps. Oh man! 
<laughs> so Dude, painful. That shot of that giant pair of shears going through the back of his leg and through the front of his knee, man, is just awesome. It's just it again, it's Ooh. another one of those like blood spray scenes. And but he turns around on the <laughs> stairs and she starts stabbing right. him straight in the dick. <laughs> like I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just straight. She's just stabbing him in the dick. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. And this is and, a- and it's not just a it's not just a stab. It's a stab and turn the knife sideways yeah. or the scissors sideways and jab it up in there. It's like, holy crap, man. Yeah, it and is And this, this is another little detail about it. And we've talked the whole whole episode about how cool, calm, and collected she is through the whole movie. Um, you get to, This is where you start to see that even though she's coming off as cool, calm, and collected, she's she's got way too many screws loose to even contain herself because even if you go from the scene with her sitting on the couch talking to Jean-Pierre to her stabbing him you see like the how the journey of insanity that she has I mean even from the way she's stabbing him I mean it's just it's like frantically it's like she's she can't contain it brutal well and 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 that's the thing too is uh like he's still not dead, right? Like she, he's downstairs, and she has to like stab him some more in the head, doesn't she? Yeah, she, she drags him. Yeah, drags him downstairs, and he reacts, and then <laughs> then she just uh, you know takes him to the optometrist. Oh man! Oh man! Yeah. And uh, yeah, just puts a uh, a little throw pillow, toss pillow over his head, and just starts puncturing it like it's a freaking <laughs> watermelon at a church barbecue. I think this was another smart decision by the director of the film, though, to go with those big, uh, big shears as the basically the murder weapon mm-hmm. because those are so unsettling. Right. Just from, I mean, even her putting the pillow over Jean Pierre's face, and you just see her raining down these shears into his face, like through this pillow. It's just, it's a, it's very unsettling. I don't think you would have got that same. That same t- uh, type of effect, if you would have used like you know, just like a butcher's knife or anything like that. Well, and also yeah. I think the fact that I mean, it's still a really graphic kill, you know, being stabbed in the face. But the fact that they covered it with a pillow still made you. It's it's almost like they didn't show yeah. you, but they still did, and it was it was just as brutal as you'd imagine. Yeah, you didn't see the actual act of the knife going into the face. You just got to see the aftermath. Yeah, yeah and this is one of and the only she, scenes in the movie where it doesn't show that. Like, right. This one, it, you know, they, they just they they kind of dial it back there for a second, but it's still just as brutal. Then she just jumps up, <laughs> goes back upstairs. Nothing and, happened. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, and, and you know, Coursera, I think this is where uh, the Sarah's- crazy woman reaches in. Grab, tries to grab inside the door, and then with that needle that she stabbed her mom with mm-hmm. earlier, she rims it right through her forearm, which yeah. is also very painful. Yeah, that's when the cigarette the scene. Yeah, the cigarette yeah, scene the comes cigarette. in. She sits oh, down yeah. and freaks out like she. You see just every bit of her insanity, the extent of it coming out, and she's smoking that cigarette, and you get like. I guess like a uh, kind of like a panorama or whatever of her of inside of her head and what's going on, and then you really see that, and then that's when the cops come in. Those the people that are the other cops, yep. the uh, yeah, the ones that have the the guy that they that they've arrested that's in the back. These these the, are like the plainclothes cops, I guess. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Now before this though, when when she's sitting there smoking the cigarette, to me. 
the the conversation that's happening right here you're you're getting little bits of information of why this is happening as you go along and this is the conversation where you know why why me why are you after me and she says pretty simple you don't want it i do and it's like holy crap yeah wow <laughs> well i mean she you probably know. has been watching her for the past four months and realized that oh yeah like how sour yep. of an outlook on life she has i mean and uh, i mean honestly right. i mean who wouldn't <laughs> i mean it's a pretty sure, rough true. situation for her but yeah the cops are out front and they got the dude in captivity from all the riots and everything going on and the cops said hey we got to stop here do a little inspection we told you know we said we'd swing by and check and they go up to the door knock on it and guess what Ernest Borgnine opens the door <laughs> hey is everything all right yeah everything's cool thanks for stopping by <laughs> and so 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 they they don't even come in the house or anything they come back to the car and they just go oh crap i forgot something so they go back and opens the door again they said oh we forgot and they had to do a a physical check they're supposed to go in the house so uh yeah this is uh, this is where things get fun because one of the cops one of the cops realizes that the description of the woman was pregnant and here we are yeah yeah, where do we start on this one? <laughs> <laughs> well, so, so there's three cops and one perp, and so immediately two of the cops go in, and um, the the first cop goes upstairs because, you know, and the other guy stays downstairs with her. The one that goes upstairs, um, he, uh, <laughs> wait, okay, does she kill the one downstairs first or the one upstairs first? Kills the one downstairs first. Downstairs first. After she stabbed the... Uh, shears into Sarah's hand to stick it outside because she was trying to get out. And then so you've got the cop, the the fatter cop is downstairs with you know Beatrice, and then the other cop goes upstairs, check it out. He turns the corner and sees all the carnage. He's like, arrest her, arrest her. So he puts her in handcuffs, and then I don't know what it was. You don't get a real good idea eye of what it is. But she pulls something out from the, the the lace that has tied her dress, and it's like a, it looks like a long like needle. I, it think, really I think it's that it's that it's that knitting knitting needle. She pulled it up earlier when she was walking through, and she heard the knock at the door. She just grabbed it and kind of picked it up. Okay, okay. So, yeah. So she's got it hid back, almost like a professional wrestler. Got it stuck in her tights. Yep. Right between her teeth. <laughs> she just pulls it out from between her teeth. Yep. <laughs> 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 we did miss the part too because you know like we just said uh, uh upstairs before this you you get all the conversation going on but we do get the part where sarah shatters the mirror she's got a piece of glass now as her weapon the first time the cops come to the door she takes the right. glass and starts stabbing the hole into the door and then she gets right. her hand out and, be- and when she's reaching out, that's when she grabs her hand and puts it on the wall and takes those shears Ooh. and just goes right through the hand, Ooh. which looks very much like another Argento film, the beginning of Phenomena. Oh, you yeah. Know, when they, it's, a, it's kind of the same shot. And uh, not that I'm saying we're ripping off Argento here. I mean, you know, come on. It's 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 Argento. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, but yeah, I mean, the cop comes up and sees her hand. He actually pulls the shears out, right? Yeah, to let her out. Yep. And while that's going on, she's she's giving dude downstairs a nice knitting job. Mm. <laughs> tears him up. Tears him up, man. And uh, then you see the cop upstairs 
opening the the bathroom door and coming down like he's gonna try to help her out. I love and then all of a sudden, just half his half his face is just missing. Yep. Oh, dude. Oh, it things is. are looking up. She's gonna get out. Pow! Right in the kisser. <laughs> like one of the one one of the few kills in this movie that like just like stands out is this scene with the cop yeah. and because yeah. all of a sudden he's there and then just like you see three quarters of his face gone yeah yeah so she is she has pulled the gun from the officer she killed downstairs come up and just i mean just ruin dude's looks man his face is gone <laughs> So at that point, oh, the uh, the cop in the car he's he's on the phone, but he he ends up hearing the gunshot. So he's like, "All right, something went <laughs> something went down." So um, he ends up tying like like you know like you see a, a parent at the mall with their their child tethered to him. <laughs> he basically right. like tethers this like rioter to him, and it's like, "All right, you're coming in the house." And uh, they go inside, and immediately they they go upstairs immediately, and. When they get up yep. there, you know, he sees all the carnage and stuff, so he decides to go in the bathroom, and uh, he arms the guy that's tethered to him with, what, like a yep. flare? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not much. <laughs> it's like a flare gun. Um, and they tell Sarah, they're like, we're going to go downstairs, because the, the, at this point, um, Borgnine cuts the power to the house. And right. so they're like, we're going to go down, and, and we're going to turn the power back on, and you stay up here, because, you know, obviously this is safe. <laughs> They, they don't. They don't survey this the the um, the area or anything. They just say stay here, which again is like okay. Can you just take her with you? That always works out in horror movies. You stay here. I'll be right back. Right? Oh, easily, <laughs> easily. Especially when the person with the gun tells it. Well, they give her a gun. I guess they they say here. You know, Sarah. Someone comes towards you. You know, pull the trigger or whatever. But so the whole time that this is kind of. I know it's probably not played for comedy, but the the perp that he has <laughs> tied to him is you know, like dry heaving and like, like man, right. just let me go, man. I don't want to be here anymore. And he's like, get it together. Like he's been in that kind of situation before. It's like, yeah. get your shit together. So, Dude, I'm not um, even supposed to be here. <laughs> I wasn't even supposed to be here, man. <laughs> <laughs> So when they go downstairs to turn the power on, this this situation gets pretty messed up fast. Because, yeah. oh, I mean, it's kind of like when I was a kid and my dad would tell me to hold the flashlight, but, you know, I'm sitting there, like, doing kid stuff. <laughs> Except for in this situation, there's a bunch of dead bodies everywhere, and the, the, the guy that's tied to the cop won't hold the flashlight still. So she ends up, she drops the cop pretty fast. I thought the guy that was tied to the cop, I thought he got a pretty raw deal out of it, though, because, like, yeah, she, like, Gives him a like a stabbing lobotomy right to the front of his yeah, skull, right to the forehead. And of course, first thing I thought when she was going in, I was like, okay, she's she's got this eyeball thing because she's she's running a whole bunch of people's eyeballs here. But no, man, jab right in his forehead, man. Like he's gonna if you're gonna cut a slot in your forehead for a CD to go in. <laughs> and that and that that was a cool scene because she stabs him and he does like. He obviously doesn't yeah. die right away, and he starts like right. moving his arms and flailing his arms like he's trying to fight her off, even though he's got these samurai shears in his forehead. And he's yeah, he's just aimlessly swinging, trying to protect himself. And she's far off from him, so it's you know, it's it's almost kind of comical, but at the same time, you're like, holy crap, man! Very unsettling. <laughs> Very unsettling. Yeah. So with that happening, we get to where. Uh, Sarah makes her way back to the bedroom, goes back to lay on the bed just for a little bit. 
I don't know why. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'm so tired. I, I just need a short break, and I'll be ready to fight again. <laughs> but yeah, so here we go. It, it, we kind of get a repeat rematch on the bed, except it gets a little more weird, erotic. I, I don't even know what to call this part. It is weird. Like, what do you think is going on here? <laughs> because it's it's. I don't know. The whole situation's odd. Oh, it's a yeah, very I mean, weird scene. Sarah's laying on the bed. And and Ernest Borgnine shows back up, pretty much climbs up on top of her, still got her, her shears ready to do business. And, like, I don't know, like she wants to lip lock with her or something? I don't know. That's it's what it like looks she wants like. to start making out with her. I, and, I think uh, at this point, this I mean, the woman's already crazy, but I think at this point she's, like, having some kind of like fever dreams and hallucinations or something. She just seems so out of it. Yeah, it's almost like it's almost like she kind of wanted to. Uh, I don't know. I mean, as crazy as it might sound, she maybe trying to get some kind of connection to the to her and the baby before you know trying to take it or I don't know. It's it's very weird scene. I mean, is it the idea of you know drinking the blood of your enemies kind of thing? Is it a mm. thing like that? Some kind of weird emotional tribal? Uh, who knows, man? It's it's just weird. Yeah. <laughs> so, folks out there, if you know what the scene means, please let us know, because we'd like to know. Absolutely. <laughs> like minds want to know. <laughs> but then again, we, we go through the same routine where we're going to try to slice her belly open, and she whacks her again, man. Sarah's a fighter. She is, for sure. I mean, she's done. She's done, got... She's probably already cut her hands to the bones from the, that piece of glass that she stands there holding for dear life for so long, and then never, man, think, never, never thinks to like wrap a cloth around that piece of glass. Never, never. not once. It's, no, it's, you're sitting there, you're thinking, you're in a bathroom, grab a towel. <laughs> yeah, like something, right. and then yeah, she's just she's done gotten the shit beat out of her. Done got a hole through her hand. I mean, golly. I mean, half her lips missing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So at this point, after she gets uh, Ernest Borgnine off of her, <laughs> who's now in pain, she takes off and she starts rumbling through the house, ends up in the kitchen. Ooh, what, can we, what can we say about the kitchen Ooh, scene? It man. is absolutely amazing. Amazing. This is, this, is, this is that cheering scene I was talking about. This is Yes. This is the part of the movie where, like, <laughs> if you're going to have any hope for Sarah, it's this scene, because... Yeah. Um, Beatrice Dahl has she has I think she's lighting up a cigarette right like yeah she's done like knocked her down and like once again oh man she kicked the hits sh- her in the head with a toaster man yeah. <laughs> hits her in the head with a toaster so you're you're at this point you're distraught because you're like this is Sarah's doom it's gotta be you know and then she lights up that damn hungry hungry hippo and man she pulls out I don't know if it was Lysol dude it's yeah. the Aquanet, dude. Yeah. <laughs> that's, the what, Aquanet that's, what the their, that's what the French keep in their kitchen you know, yeah. for cooking is Aquanet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they call it, uh, in, in the kitchen in uh, France, they call it the Kip Winger uh, spray. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, do you need any good. Pam? Like, no, I'd like a little spray of the Kip Winger. <laughs> <laughs> Just need some Winger. <laughs> she, yeah, man, she goes to light that cigarette, that cigarette into Freddy and she just she just opens this can, man, and it's like 
Dropping a hot dog on the hot coals, man. <laughs> well, the thing I like, though, the, is it's not a quick cut either. She's, like, burning her for a good ten seconds. Oh, yeah. Heck yeah, man. Yeah. It's a long, drawn-out scene. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> she figures yeah, if she turn, if she uh, figures if she turns her into Freddy Krueger, she'll be able to get some sleep. Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> so, needless to say, when your face is caught on fire and your hair is burning, you pretty much get up and run. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> So she takes off, smoking through the house. It's a wonder all the smoke alarms don't go off. But uh, at this point, Sarah, like I said, her face is is bashed. And she's, I don't know if the swelling or what has gotten to her, but she can't breathe. So she just gives herself her own tracheotomy right here. This is wild, yeah. This is crazy. It's it's, it's very, uh, I don't know. It's it's uncomfortable because it's like she really doesn't know what yeah. she's doing because like yeah you know, she's still after she gives herself this little like trick she's like choking on her own blood and she gets some duct tape and like tapes yeah tapes I mean, just wrap it up with duct tape man that's awesome you know if you if you want to do a product placement in the movie duct tape man I mean look yeah. what it did for this movie yeah <laughs> oh man. Not only does she like stab it into her, her throat, you know, but she actually like it shows like close up. She's having to like maneuver this this pick yep. to to open up her airway. It's oh, it's yep. so so unnerving. And then she uh she's getting her getting her oats back, I guess. And she decides to make a a makeshift spear. With a kitchen knife and I don't know, a handle off a broom or something. That's a metal handle. Yeah. I was wondering, I'm like, what are that? Is. What is that? The handle to exactly, yeah. But uh, she makes this uh, makeshift spear and she's ready to throw down now. Oh yeah, it's like she's reenacting the cover of Frontiers. I mean, she's like, she's yeah. ready to go. She's making eye contact. You get that that close pan of the camera to her eyes, and she's just like, yeah, bitch, it's time to it's time to play. And this is a part two where it starts tying everything in too, because this is where the camera comes back into play using the flash. Because she's going through the house with yep. the spear and the camera, looking for burnt toasty wherever she is, yep. and flashing the light. And she finally finds her. She's hit over in the corner, and then we get the explanation of the whole story of what's going on here. Dum dum dum. Because Beatrice tells her. You can't kill me again. Yeah, you already did once. You can't hurt me anymore than you already, you already did, did once. You can't. You're right. And then you get the backstory of the car crash at the beginning. There's some some uh, some dialogue at the beginning. Weird, saying, weird dialogue. Yeah. No, nobody will ever hurt you. We're together now. This kind of stuff. And what it is, it's Beatrice driving a car, talking to her baby that's in her belly, and she's about to have a baby too. And that's who they have the car crash. And it kills not only Sarah's husband, but supposedly they said there was no survivors. And and Sarah even says that. But uh, Beatrice made it, but the baby didn't. So she's here to claim her baby. Yeah. I mean, and and who knows who was at fault? I mean, it was two women driving. So, I mean, (laughs) sorry, that was terrible. But But now at this point, now at this point, this is where it gets real crazy because you, who do you, who do you feel worse for? Oh, I mean, Sarah, obviously Sarah. (laughs) But no, like you, I mean, man, you're sitting there and you're like, wow. So you've got Sarah who is portrayed through the movie now to where it didn't seem like she wanted this baby whenever, you know, it all started. And then you've got Beatrice who all she wanted was a baby, 
you know and yeah. so now it's kind of like well shit dude kinda- it brought me right back to some words of wisdom that i learned a long time ago Uh-oh. all that she wants is another baby she's gone tomorrow <laughs> all that she wants is another baby Sorry. how can i possibly have two different conversations in a week and both of them bring up ace of base that's that's incredible <laughs> hey, well you know you know and honestly this movie would have had a, such a different tone if they had just thrown that song in a few parts <laughs> but no i i understand what you're saying i mean and and this obviously uh um ernest borgnine went through a lot and you know she suffered a lot of mental breaks and things like that you know lost her child because she was yeah. way further along like she was about to pop yeah. um, so her baby was killed you know pretty much right before birth so she was trying to you know, steal sarah's baby but there was a point in the movie though where sarah was like she does yell at one point whenever someone's coming to help her that she's like i'm pregnant and so she, she, yeah. she does kind of like exclaim you know like she like she does have this want for the child at that point like yeah that's right yeah and and that's 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 a strong thing you come away with the movie is you know it's funny how you know i'm sure that you think about you know the pregnancy issues that women have where you know they get through the depression and all that stuff and this kind of ties into that whole thing of do I even want this baby? Do I not? And then you find out at the end, yes, it's worth fighting for. And that's, you know, not only is she fighting for her life, but it's it's the whole process, too, of, you know, she's defending her baby. Yeah. And uh, But you also, you know, that's another part in this scene is you get a very un- unsettling scene, uh, little snippet there. You know, you went through the whole movie and you get that CGI baby. And, yeah. you know, you're just like, okay, this is kind of weird. But now... When Beatrice gets hit by the car, you know, you, you never see whose fault the accident was. Right. And so right. then you see the CGI baby inside of Beatrice, and yeah. they they make this baby, like, hit the front of her stomach, and you hear, like, something crack, and you see, like, a little bit of, like, blood come from the CGI baby. I was like, Good my God. <laughs> I was like, my God, this Wow, that was intense. So, yeah. is it is it right after this then that um, the cop <laughs> yes. we think is dead? Yes, is, it's actually is it the is it no? Let's get this straight. Is it the cop or is it the other guy that was that's? Oh no, it's the, the it's, it's the cop. The, it's okay. yes, definitely the cop because uh, he's got that the harness like behind him, and um, I don't know, like just the way he does worse things to Sarah than almost <laughs> Ernest Borgnine does. Like I mean, he, she's getting ready to stab Beatrice, and then all of a sudden the lights come on, and dude's standing over at the light panel, turning on the, the switches, you know, and then he just goes ape on her, man. He starts beating her in the stomach. Yeah, just, I mean, kicking her on the floor. But this is when, right this is when, when uh, Borgnine goes into, like, full, like, um, protector mode, because she's not going to let anything happen right. to that baby, so she, you know, yep. she messes that cop up. Oh, yeah. yeah. She beat the hell out of him. Because it wasn't so, so much another, about protecting Sarah as much as it was protecting the baby. And she knew that that right. cop hitting her in the stomach 14 times wasn't going to do that. What's causing this? What caused the cop to just shoot up? I mean, did adrenaline just, like, I mean, yeah. take over? I, I think, oh, honestly, no. he was disoriented. He was, like, he he may have been just completely, like, in a state of shock. Um, because it seemed like... He looked like a... 
He looked like a zombie because it he was did. like he didn't have any eyes yeah. or, or anything. Yeah, he, you get, like, it pans in on his eyes, and I guess they're, I guess every blood, every you know, blood vessel in it, in there is popped. So his eyes are like completely red, and it just, it, it kind of gave off like a, like you said, a zombie feel to it. It's almost zombie yeah. demonic looking, yeah. And I, and I really liked it because, like, at that point in the movie, you're like, oh, God, is this going somewhere else? But it's, it's not, but it gives you that for a second. You're like, oh, man. <laughs> um, it's definitely something you do not expect in this movie. I oh, mean, yeah. You know, well, and that's why he's everything attacking else happened, Sarah. And this is- I mean, he's attacking Sarah because, yep. like, he obviously doesn't know who attacked him. And he doesn't, and he can't see. So he, right. he hears somebody, you know, coming up on him, and he just, his instinct is, you know, to beat the baby out of him. Uh, I will beat the baby out of you, woman! (laughs) (laughs) Needless to say, Ernest Borgnine becomes the protector. And and what's strange about that, too, is the fact of, here we go again, a situation where these people are just absolutely fruit loops, and you still have some compassion on them. I mean, you, you feel sorry for this lady to an extent because of what she's been through, but then you go, wait a minute. (laughs) This woman's killed a house full of people. You know, it's it's funny how these movies can make you cheer, not cheer, but have some compassion on the bad people. I mean, wow, it's incredible. But at this point, you got Sarah, who's slowly creeping away, starts going up the steps, and uh, Ernest Bergnine's following behind, and we get the very disturbing scene of taking the baby oh man this scene is insane because i mean now you've got you've got i mean sarah knows she's dead there's there's no question about it and then you've got you know you've got beatrice who's in panic mode i mean how this woman's still walking upright i'll never understand because she's done been Fucked up, but I mean, she's got her I on mean, the stairway, stairway, and what happens next? Obviously, no, no. I mean, no, Sarah's not dead yet. I mean, no, no, no she's not. No. But she, but you know, it's coming. I mean, she oh, knows yeah, the end is yeah. coming. Right? Yeah, and well, she even says when you know she says the baby's coming. So we're already at the point of labor here, but something goes wrong. It's stuck, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, Beatrice takes care of C-section things. C-section time. Um, yeah. And this scene right here, man, the amount, because they don't really, they show a little bit of it, but then it like cuts downward to the, like going down the staircase and the amount of freaking blood, man, is insane. Like, I mean, it's it's not like, you know, dead alive type blood, but for, you know, for this kind of scene, man, it's, it's a lot of blood. Yeah. And, uh. And, and after it just it cuts to a scene of Borgnine sitting in a chair with a baby, which you can hear the baby's alive. So, um, yeah. And she's just sitting there rocking in this in, in this time machine. Just uh, <laughs> <laughs> mine is looking like Freddy Krueger's lost aunt. I mean, this yeah. woman yeah, looks man. ugly. Frida, it's Frida Krueger. <laughs> Frida this is that shot in the arm that we need from horror again, where, you know, uh, you know, it doesn't end on the happy note, which I think is the big problem they said with the remake is they tried to change the ending to be more of a survivor type thing. I haven't seen the remake. I've just heard. I haven't either. And, and I feel like, um, someone told me they did the same thing with martyrs and I haven't seen that remake either. They're so meaningful and they're so awesome 
because of you know, how right. sour and dark they are. And, oh, and you yeah. can, I mean, it's fine to have happy endings and stuff in horror movies, but I mean, that's see, my wife didn't like this movie. Um, yeah. And well, I, I, it's hard to find. Uh, I think it'd be hard to find a, a woman who would like this. Movie I, I actually know quite a few extent, horror you know? horror people that do like women. But um, the thing is, though, like one of the things she said is, "This is a, like this isn't that far from a news story that's you know fairly common." Right. Is right, and that's that's the 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 part about these French films that kind of stays with you because the movies that always made an impact with me, even though it goes further back, but your home invasion stuff, the, these have more of a tendency of reality that you know that we, which is truly terrifying, more terrifying than you know a dude stalking some kids at a lake in a hockey mask. Oh yeah, because this right? is this is completely random, and or I mean, not maybe this yeah. scenario is not, but home invasions in general and this that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. So and I no, think you're, that's, you're right. I think, I think that's part of what uh, has made me lean towards more of watching the extreme horror and stuff is because I search for that that adrenaline. I search for the stuff that, like, can I get through this? And these, these films, man, it's yeah. like you said, they hit so close to home on so many levels. And I think that's what... That's what keeps me watching them because it, it gives me that sense of, I guess, fear. It gives me that sense of, oh, shit, this could really happen. That's where, you know, to me, uh, even though this is 2007, the formula is still the same. This is, you know, it's no different than the original Last House on the Left or yep. uh, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. You're taking this stuff and making it real. That's the reason people reacted so heavily to to The Strangers when it came out, because it has the same feel. And it's not a new formula. This has been around forever. But people just tend to stay away from it because it's a little too controversial. You know, the original I Spit on Your Grave. You know, you watch it now, it's tamed to an extent. But in reality, you know, these are the things that happen. and, And you know, it's what makes it messed up. So this this movie really plays off of that. And then you just take the idea of what's happening in French cinema at this time. Uh, again, uh, high tension kind of just opened the floodgates for all this stuff. You can pull any movie from this time period and just be amazed at <laughs> at the quality of the film. And then also just the... the Brutality. The, <laughs> they really just hit a nerve right here. And we're still remaking this stuff and watering it down. You know, which is funny because I feel like I feel like a lot of the times um, these studios that that they greenlight these remakes, I feel like they're losing their their grasp on what made the original so awesome. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, Just like sure. Old Boy. You know, oh yeah, the idea of remaking Old Boy is ridiculous. I mean, <laughs> the original is is such a perfect movie. You know, and then we Americanize it and we take the sting out of it. We feel like it's not relatable because it, it may be something that's more attachable to whatever region that it comes from. But I don't know. When you water it down and you, you try to make it make more sense than it really should, you're taking away from it, you know? Mm-hmm. You want to um, hear some uh, crazy facts about this movie? Absolutely. I have one for you, Ricky. This one, and I just learned this a second ago, actually. And um, apparently, this wasn't released in Barcelona, Spain until 2016. But 
It was released under the name Phenomena. What? Uh, yeah, right? Isn't that crazy? Well, that makes me wonder then, if this is in Barcelona in Spain, what would Argento's film been called? I mean, I know it was called Creepers here, but it's, I would figure it was Phenomena everywhere else. Uh, well, I mean, they, they have so many movies that have the same titles nowadays anyway, so I figure they probably don't even care at this point. Um, wow. That's strange. Well, I mean, why does that name have to do anything in the movie? N- nothing, really. I mean... Zombie Man. And it says it says it was released for two days in, uh, in a subtitled version, but I guess, yes, just really weird. Huh. Um, That's very strange. But uh, also, it says that... And I, I didn't notice this, and I've never noticed this, but um, it's kind of funny that Sarah's house number was 666. Yeah, I, uh, I read that. I didn't. I forgot to look though when I watched it last. <laughs> I just. I feel like I, I. I've never seen that house number, and I feel like it's the thirteenth floor. Like the whole where you know it's there, but you just don't number it that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um. But sucks to be you. <laughs> 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 wow, that's wild. Do you guys want to rate this? I, Absolutely. I, I didn't love know if, this d- film. <laughs> Can that well, be we got rating? Levi's rating. Yeah. <laughs> so it's no, and I think that pretty much everything in this film was done. Uh, I mean, superbly. I mean, it was awesome. Uh, so I'm gonna give it a full on uh, five, five, uh, five out of five zombie men raising up, hitting somebody with a nightstick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, you know what? I, I think this is a great movie, and I think that um, I never, I never lose enjoyment of watching this movie. I, I wouldn't say it's perfect, but I would, I would definitely say it's something that, as a horror fan, like if anybody hasn't seen it, they should see it. And uh, it's, yep. and I think it's something you can go back to. Um, so I, I give this movie four sheer. Um, let's see, I, I give this movie four sheer stabbed ball sacks. Whoa! <laughs> Talk Yikes. about hitting it left field. <laughs> Give me that jar of antiseptic. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, to me, this movie is a great, great example example of the the French extreme horror stuff. Um, if you're interested in going down that that avenue and you haven't done it yet, this is a great place to start. I think this is very rewatchable. It's oh, yeah. going to make your stomach churn at, at turn at times, but you have to admit this movie is put together very well. The story moves along great. The effects are fantastic. The acting is fantastic. It's a solid film, and like like we said earlier, you feel like you need to go take a shower after you watched it. Uh, with that being said. I'm gonna give it. Uh, I'm gonna give it five house painters that have to come in and redo that hallway when all that stuff happened. Because <laughs> I'd hate to be those guys, man. Hell You're probably yeah. gonna have to repaint those walls about 16 times. They're probably not even gonna mess with it. They're probably just gonna burn the house down and just be done with it. Start from scratch. I mean, the house probably was 666. So. It probably burned itself down. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> One thing it I, just imploded. <laughs> 
One thing I will say about this movie too is um, something with a lot of a lot of Italian movies from the seventies and eighties, and and not a lot of them, but I mean a, a good chunk of like slashers and giallo movies. Um, they don't mm-hmm. they're not super long movies. This movie's only eighty minutes long. I mean, yeah, yeah. So you know it, it moves along like Ricky was saying at such a good pace that you're never like bored, and it's and once it starts going, I mean you're like edge of your seat if you especially if you haven't seen it. Even the scenes that kind of take a while. You're so invested in what's going on, you know. I think in a rewatch, it making you making go, okay, this goes a little long here. But you're so invested in that watch that nothing seems to really drag at all. And uh, and those scenes are so important, like the, like we were talking about the whole scene where she's smoking the cigarette. And you're wondering you really is she holding it with her fingers s- or her teeth? <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. <laughs> it's all right, man. But I mean, you're really seeing this person break down. You are seeing insanity, and and I, I can't say it enough. The acting in this is what makes this a good movie. It really um, is. This movie took, is so. It's yeah. it's like I said. This was my gateway drug to watching extreme horror it was the first one i ever watched my buddy he was like you gotta watch this film you gotta watch this film it sat on my ebay watch list or uh, you know for months and i finally just was like you know what i gotta buy this i gotta check it out i've watched the trailer that out of i'm a i'm an avid uh movie collector i love having the physical copies but out of every movie that i own this is probably one of my favorite ones that i've bought because it was such a pleasant surprise because i love getting a blind buy i love you know buying a movie and not ever seeing it and then just seeing what what it's about and this movie blew all of my expectations out of the water and and the thing about it too is for me the first movie that I saw and and that's, that may be a question we can ask each other too the the first one I saw that's considered this kind of level of movie with the the, the extreme horror stuff was probably high tension mm-hmm. and that one got a lot of attention because of several things one is you had a uh, was it De Rossi that did the effects for it the guy that did all the old Fulci stuff oh I, I believe he was I didn't the, know that. Yeah, I didn't either. I think I think De Rossi did all the effects for High Tension, so a lot of people were paying attention to it because it was like the return of him. Which you know, when you think of Fulci, you think about all the outrageous effects, and when you think about High Tension, you think about what's in that, and you can see it. You know, so that was the first one I saw, and then I, I just worked my way through. You know, with with Frontiers. Then I believe I saw this one next, and then obviously Martyrs, and Martyrs just blew my mind. So there's not a bad one in this bunch. That's all another of these one. That's are, another one we're gonna have to cover on a future episode for yeah. sure. These are these are all must watches. Every one of them, and uh, you might could skip Irreversible. <laughs> 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 that may be a little too much, but uh, that's that's a that's a rough one, man. So what about you, Johnny? Which one did you see first? You know, out of the the French extreme stuff, I would say it was probably High Tension. Um, yeah. Actually, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Uh, it was either Irreversible was French, right? Yeah. Yeah. I would say it was either Irreversible Man. or uh, High Tension. And um, it wasn't until, you know, because I think Frontiers and uh, Martyrs and this were a good, you know, like three or four years later. Yeah, and, it was a little later on. And yep. but I remember hearing like you know every time you you would hear about these people would compare them to you know high tension and these other ones and I'm like well I've got to see those mm-hmm. <laughs> you know so yeah. um, and and you know 
I, I think that each movie has I don't know they're they're all pretty unique in their own way like uh, Frontiers is another one that you watch the trailer and the trailer is nothing like the actual movie I mean right. the, the movie itself has such a a bizarre feeling the whole time but um, the trailer to it made it look almost like a Texas Chainsaw type deal yeah and that's what I took it as too it was like the French Texas Chainsaw you know to, to but you know it, it's definitely got some different things going on which it should oh yeah you know you, you don't want to just say oh yeah this is just our version of the same thing you've seen you know been redone a bunch so yeah because the, then it would be yeah. it would be like the paris baguette massacre or the <laughs> <laughs> i'll tell you what though man like this movie was was certainly like playing into some stereotypes i mean she was in the middle of killing yeah that she stabbed the dude in the head and lights up a cigarette i'm like dude she's smoking while she's killing the guy <laughs> <laughs> get my fix <laughs> all right so like always we we kind of put a little teaser trailer out there and ask for your comments and stuff i'm going to run through what we got it's not it's not a lot this time and that's absolutely fine but hey we want to give you a chance if you want to speak out about these movies yay or nay you know even if it's a negative thing we don't we don't mind talking about that as well i mean just because somebody likes it doesn't mean you have to so uh so what we got here we got a list of first one is william bowles who just says movies in my top 10 it's amazing Damn, top and, uh, ten. That's that's pretty And that's high. the man. And that's the man right there, guys. That's the guy that introduced yeah. me to this film. So I figured I figured that's the guy that you were talking about that you, you've kind of been watching the movies with. Yeah, me and him have uh, been friends. We've been friends for guys been well over twenty years. So Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I also said uh, I also hope you guys cover the other great French films such as like we just talked about Martyrs, Frontiers and High Tension and he says not a bad film in that batch absolutely I feel the same way uh, Derek B my buddy Derek B always has something to say we could, we could pull out a movie you know that is totally obscure and he would have something to say about it so he's a he's a big movie fanatic as well big podcaster too so uh derek b says amazing visuals laced with some great gore and very haunting score fantastic film overall and that final image still haunts my inner soul yeah yeah you know she kind of looks like uh the howling three the marsupials oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) she kind of looks like that when she's all deformed and holding that baby yeah just saying man uh, Rafael Diaz says, "Ah, oh, finally a movie which I have seen before you announced it." So yeah, Rafael's been going and digging up all the films that we're going to cover, so they know what's going on. It says a great choice for Christmas, especially if you have someone pregnant next to you while watching it. <laughs> uh, this is the kind of movie you have to shower afterwards to feel clean again. Saludos, amigos. Yeah, and here's some moron on here called Levi Garrett. Ah. It says, cannot day enough how stuck I am to cover this. <laughs> wow, you're going to bust me out on here. <laughs> Damn autocorrect. Uh, <laughs> and my buddy Robert Pollock says, uh, uh, he's, he's, he uses the French name, L'Intier, and says, uh, nice. So, uh, yeah, I haven't heard from Rob in a while, buddy. I, I've been missing talking to you, man. Glad to see you on here. So that's all we got on that. Hey, does it mean that you can't still voice your opinion? You can still jump on the Facebook group page, 
Let us know what you think about these movies. If you have recommendations, uh, I know we've been getting hit up with a few ideas of some shows we need to do, some movies that want to be covered. So, man, that's what makes this fun. When we know you guys are listening and you're wanting us to cover something and saying instead of saying, yeah, I don't even want to listen to you guys, <laughs> that's a win for us. <laughs> So I guess that's it for our Christmas special, right, guys? Oh, yeah. I guess so. I hope everybody has a great one. Hopefully um, all your babies are, are uh, safe. You're safe with them. <laughs> yeah, I just want to say to all the guests listening, um, if you guys need our addresses to send our Christmas presents and stuff to, uh, just hit us up on Facebook <laughs> and we'll get that for you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> I was going to say too. Let's. What about like a runner-up film? What is your What is your go-to Christmas horror movie? Do you have one? Mm. You say Christmas horror? Sure. Oh, okay. I mean, besides the one we just did, but what's your favorite? What, what's the movie that you think of when you think of a Christmas horror movie? Oh man, I mean, it, it pretty much Black Christmas, man. Like the original '74. that's just to me that's just like the all encapsulating like perfect Christmas horror movie and you know of course even if you took the Christmas part out of it I mean that movie has set such a standard I mean that's that's where you're crossing the line from Giallo to Slasher was that movie and uh I heard it was I always heard that was like Elvis Presley's favorite movie did you ever hear that? no that's awesome though yeah, they said every year at Christmas he would he would like rent either a theater or somewhere and and just like watch it three or four times. Man, that's crazy to think about though. That's those are the <laughs> those Bob, are the late Bob Elvis Park, years too because that movie came out in seventy four. Yeah. So he had three good exactly. three good years of watching that before he uh, he kicked that old bucket. Yeah, that's crazy. I, mean, I can't imagine it, it, that. Be, like, I don't know. When I think of Elvis, I think of him like I don't know. I guess I never thought of him as a horror guy. That's cool though. Well, and uh, of course, you know Bob Clark, man, the the director for that. You know, the same guy that gave us the Christmas story. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> what a contrast, right? <laughs> Dude, Bob, Bob Bob Clark has some good stuff, man. There's a lot of his stuff oh, we should man. cover on the show too. Uh, you know, Death Dream. Uh, Death Dream is freaking amazing. Yeah, it is. Hey, have you seen that, Levi? I have not seen that one. <laughs> That's a good one, man. <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely be checking that out. I'll put that on the list. Uh, the one for me, I still love Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2. Man. Garbage day! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that dude acts with his eyebrows, man. It's just amazing to watch this guy chew up the scenery, man. Oh, of course, yeah. you know, they were at Texas this last year, you know, and they did some Q&A panels together. Both the stars from, you know, the first two movies were together. It's like, wow. That's awesome. How cool is this? Such a bizarre movie, man. Because it's, it's just a... You know, let's take all the kill scenes from the first one and make this guy relive them. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I love that one, man. I can watch it no matter what time of year. So, Levi, you got another favorite? Uh, well, I got, I got two that come to mind. Uh, I really, and I'm probably one of the only ones in this whole world that likes this movie, but I enjoyed the Jack Frost horror movie. I thought it was, I, I watched it growing <laughs> up, and you know, it was, it was just, uh, it was just one of those ones that I always thought was just fun, kind of you know the funny, oh yeah, funny type. And then uh, I doubt anybody knows this one, but I'm a wrestling fan, so I'm going to say it. But Santa Slay, that's and, a good one. I like Santa yeah, Slay. That's a, that's Bill a Goldberg movie. as Santa. <laughs> <laughs> those yeah, would be the two. Right. 
Dude, I'll tell you what, man. That Jack Frost, that and the sequel, those are uh, that's some short bus material right there. <laughs> short bus. Sure. I tell you what. Hey, I tell you what, Levi. Let's do this. Uh, we've we've already got another show lined up, but how about you come on and do Jack Frost with us on short bus? Hey, I'd be down for that, man. That'd be awesome. All right, all right, folks. I think we're going to call it a day. But this has been a whole bunch of fun, guys. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, guys. Yeah. All right, folks. We will see you later. Sayonara. Peace. Later. Later.